welcome to Hack Your Brain Through Meditation. My name is Josh Bashinsky. I've been meditating for 20 years. I have a PhD, ABD, in neuroscience, psychology, and philosophy. I've been doing Asian internal-based martial arts for over 30 years. I also have a TED Talk called The Future of Google Search and Ethics, and I'd like to share with you some of the amazing brain hacks I've found to hack your brain through meditation. Today, I'd like to do some of the hand methods that come from some of the martial arts I did, the Asian-based martial arts. I'm not going to talk too much about... Uh, a lot of the physical um, attributes and benefits of all of these different kinds of meditative techniques. I'm going to try and pull out the meditative techniques and show you how you could use them for hacking our brain, improving our emotions, getting our emotions in check, improving our soulfulness, improving our mindfulness, improving our, our cognition, uh, for how we can uh, take those brain hacks that you know professional athletes have found out of the old martial arts and pulled in to become some of the best you know, running backs, the best basketball players, or the best uh, what have you on the planet. So this technique I'm going to show you is from uh, a Chinese martial art called Baguazan. Uh, and um, it's called Da Lur, or Big Wheel. Uh, and you're making a giant kind of circle in front of your face with these with your hands. Now, you see, as soon as I start doing this, I immediately yawn because all of my training is all connected. All of the methods I've shown you are connected. And they immediately tie into each other and start reinforcing each other and helping each other. So this is, a, this is kind of using the hands to get a Zen method. It's like staring at the paint drying. This is like using your hands to get a Zen method and you really zone out. The key here is you need to really zone out. You can keep your eyes open or closed. It doesn't matter if your eyes are open, you're just focusing on a single point until the rest of the visual data is meaningless. Or you close your eyes and you make the visual data meaningless by depriving yourself of visual data. And you zone out and you just let the continuous pattern of the bilateral stimulation in the Da Lur, the waving hands like clouds, like this. You're kind of making like a figure eight that goes around, uh, you know, in this kind of pattern. It's also very bilateral. So that's one move. And you would, uh, what usually works best with this process, and you can keep the hands going, what usually works best with this process is in uh, the, the uh, nose-mouth breathing. There's mouth-mouth breathing and nose-mouth breathing, and then there's nose-nose breathing. Each does a different biochemical thing to your body. Nose-nose uh, breathing will increase CO2. Any, the more you use the mouth breathing, the more you're going to increase the O2 in your body. And your body uses these things for different reasons in different ways. Uh, the science is debated. Uh, there's uh, some more Eastern European science that says for relaxation, you should be doing nose-nose breathing. The Eastern meditation, uh, which I don't know how much science it has behind it, uh, but it's traditional. It's always in through the nose, out through the mouth. And you'll find that, I think, even in the Indian yoga traditions as well. For my purposes, I've found a lot of mouth-mouth breathing helps. Um especially when we're trying to uh, be pumped about what we're going to be doing. And O2 is kind of the some of the fuel that your fast twitch muscle uses. And I've used this a lot more in my martial arts because, of course, I want to move fast. 
of course, for your meditative techniques, you probably want to stick to the nose-mouth breathing, unless you're yawning, because see, that's the catch, is that the yawn seems to be a strange uh, biochemical... There's a strange biochemical and a very interesting biochemical connection in there that you will suddenly yawn, and that's mouth-mouth breathing, and it does prepare the body with oxygen. And so the debate is out right now as to which one is best and which one's going to calm you down the most. And so, sadly, I don't have a lot of good information there, other than there's a lot of different kinds of breathing we can play with. But the kind of breathing we're going to do today with the Dalur, if you feel a yawn coming on, which of course, don't stifle it, never stifle a yawn, the breathing method we're going to include with the Dalur is going to be the nose-mouth breathing, the standard kind of Eastern meditation breathing. So you're going to breathe into the nose. Now with the mouth. We're going to unclench all our muscles, especially the muscles in between your hips. And this is going to hopefully allow your adrenal gland, which is nestled somewhere deep in there, to not be dumping out so much adrenaline in your body. And you see, sometimes I even feel like I want to get a double yawn in there. So it's very interesting, the interplay of when your body wants more CO2 and when your body wants more O2. It's going to calm you down to have more CO2, then more O2. More CO2, more O2. More um, nose breathing, and more yawning. More nose breathing, more yawning. And that ties in perfectly to meditation and how you're going to succeed. Because as I said, we're bringing different methods together. We're bringing the West and the East together. Uh, and we're trying to not only uh, raise you up if you're depressed or down, we're also trying to bring you down if you're too agitated. We're trying to get to this middle, this planet I have here. We're trying to get to the middle. And uh, I wore this science t-shirt on purpose, not only because it says science on it, and a lot of this is science-based, and of course I submit all of these techniques to science. If science has an answer to any of the hypotheses I put here, I submit myself to them because that's how we improve. But not only that, because of the next uh, very ancient and very non-sciencey sounding technique that I'm going to show you, but it does, it works for me, as you'd see, as soon as I start doing, I start yawning. Uh, and but also, it, I, everything I teach it to, it works for them as well. So the first is that dalur, the wave, the the big the big circle, which is similar to wave hands like clouds in 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 Yang Sao Tai Chi. Wave hands like clouds in Yang Sao Tai Chi is you go across like this, and then your your hands are like this, and this is the chi ball. You're holding a big beach ball. It's called a chi ball. And I'm going to show you a smaller chi ball in a second. You go across like this, and you bring your hand up, and you go across like this. It's the exact same small bilateral. These are all bilateral movements. That's what they discovered. These are bilateral movements that help with self-hypnosis. It helps with uh, EMDR. It helps with getting the all sides of the brain focusing and firing and kickstarting the limbic system to reappraise the scenarios. It's all starting to sound familiar now. It all works on the same principle. You see how powerful it is? Because it all works on the same known and uh, uh, the principle that you need and you you need to uh, you need to modify that principle uh, and you will modify that principle so you so you will feel better now the next hand gesture we use with this comes to the chi ball now 
You might have heard someone say chi ball before. As I said, teaching meditation and internal-based martial arts sadly is a little hokey sometimes because we talk about magical things that sound like chi and root and, you know, all these, the different energies, the yin, the yang, you know, the, the eight trigram, you know, all these kinds of um, partly bastardized concepts that were filtered through history and filtered over to the, to the uh, guaylos, to the ghost people, white people like me who weren't taught at all because we, we couldn't understand it, who, were, who didn't absorb it all because we couldn't understand it. And there's also some method to that madness there as well. And if I could just digress for a second, it's very interesting. And it's based, it's very simple, uh, it's very similar to the platonic method of autodidaction. Let me explain very, very quickly because it's important. Autodidact means self-learner. And Plato wrote in something called a dialogue, uh, like a play. And he had different characters in his dialogue that would say different arguments, and they would hash out the uh, concepts of what is love? Well, I think love is this. I think love is that. What is justice? Well, I think justice is this. I think justice is that. And uh, you might wonder, and I could get into a million hours of that, but not. And you might wonder, why did Plato write in a dialogue? Why not write a treatise like other philosophers and just tell us directly what you think, Plato? And the reason is, as far as we can tell, is that he didn't do that on purpose because he needs us to be autodidacts. Uh, not There's many reasons, actually, because the different characters in the dialogues, like this is the politician, and this is the hedonist, and this is the philosopher, and so he's giving characteristic answers from these different kind of people types that can uh, extend the argument further for you to know what he's talking about and, and, and uh, gives a broader and deeper relevance. Uh, that's why Plato is genius. And, of course, Plato is the Western philosopher for which we owe our entire enlightenment to because he was the one who popularized the concept of the good. And if you don't have the good in enlightenment, then you're not enlightened. And that's why we're bringing Eastern meditation and Western meditation together. If your enlightenment is not good, then it's not very enlightened, is it? And so so I've been talking about that, you know, in past courses. Uh, so it's very interesting, and I will talk about that a lot more in the future because the good is what really makes... Uh, the brain hack and the meditation sing and really makes it worth doing. But just to round out this point, so he, but he also wrote in a dialogue like this so that we would have to figure out for ourselves what the truth is. One of the characters, usually Socrates, his teacher, and which showed up uh, historically, his teacher, uh, and then who showed up as a character in his dialogues, Plato's dialogues was usually the one who would school everybody else and, and clearly show through his questioning what the truth was. Not always, though. Sometimes there was other characters who showed up Socrates, and it's very interesting sometimes when that happens. Um, and that's uh, tying back to the Eastern methods of autodidaction. Uh, that's why it's called the martial arts. It's not, it's not the martial science. It's not the martial uh, rules. It's... We teach you these principles of Dalu or of Way of Handlight Clouds, and it's up to you to figure out how you would use that in combat, how you would use that in life, how you would use that for all of your different uh, tasks. You have to be an artist. You have to be able to spontaneously use the basics we show you to create. And that autodidaction and that, that artistry is also going to be part of meditation as well. 
I'm going to show you all the basics and all how all the basic methods all tie together and you can use them. And then it's your job to spontaneously grapple with your own emotions and use those. Uh, it's your, you're going to be able to use these rules I show you to spontaneously grapple with your emotions and you're going to be able to use the basics and you're going to be, okay, I'll do this move, then I'll do that move, then I'll do that move, you know, like a combination, like, you know, like fighting or something. I'm going to use spin the clouds, then I'm going to use uh, the command now method, then I'm going to use gratitude. And that's going to be the magical key of like waving your hands like a magician that suddenly is going to make magic happen. And suddenly a spell is going to occur and you're going to be able to grapple with your, your emotions for that day. Because sadly, our emotions are kind of a, they can sometimes be a a slippery beast and hard to grapple with. And, you know, this one concept is bugging you today, but the next day a different concept is bugging me. Oh, I'm worried about my taxes. i got to pay my taxes. And that's what's causing the anxiety maybe, you know. But then the next day, oh, uh, you know, my girlfriend, we're fighting. I'm, I'm sad. I'm upset about that. Blah, 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 blah. You know, there's going to be different emotional problems you need to grapple with and wrestle with every day. That, that you might have to grapple and wrestle with on a, on a regular basis. And these meditative techniques I'm showing you are the techniques that are going to, on the one hand here, are going to be able to help you grapple with the problems. The meditative techniques, you're going to be able to uh, creatively improvise a solution based on all of the different techniques I show you. And uh, you, you might be surprised, uh, and you will have success in doing this. It will work, but it's going to take a little bit of, of effort on your part, but you can do it. Um, and you might be surprised to find out that, wow, yesterday I was telling myself, seek the good, feel good, find good, know good, love good, be good. And you're totally into the good and you're totally getting raptured and enthused about the good. And that was yesterday and that worked for you. But then today you say the same words and you don't feel anything. And I found this to be a very strange phenomenon. Like I thought I found like, you know, in a scientific way, I thought I'd found the grand unified theory of defeating anxiety disorder. I thought I'd found the words, the magic words to tell yourself and some hand things and some Buddhist things. And, but doing it again and again and again didn't work. And the same, and then the same words didn't work. I'd had to use synonyms of those words and then I, I would appreciate it. And then all of a sudden I would appraise it. And then all of a sudden it would work for me. I'm like, ah, oh, I see. It's not just one little thing. If it was just one little thing, then the whole world would know and no one would have anxiety disorder. No, it's different. It differs every, every, your brain is nuanced and it, it, it resists change. It has an anti-hacking mechanism built in. This is crazy that your brain evolutionarily has an anti-hacking mechanism built in. So it's like, okay, I see the attack you're trying to make and hack the, how I work in inside here. I'm going to change it. And suddenly those words don't have the same power anymore. And the techniques that you did in that order are not working anymore. And so that's what you're going to need to do. It's like an opponent and you're going to have, you're, you're going to grapple with your emotions and you're going to have find the correct sequence of moves, the correct sequence of techniques that are going to subdue the emotions and they're going to allow you to win and succeed over the emotions. And then the emotions will be your friend and you'll be a tag team taking on the world and it'll be it'll be wonderful once you use the techniques to, to do this so so yeah so sorry that was a diversion so so that's all very interesting it's fascinating stuff but so let's get back to the chi ball so that sounds a little hokey but when i say chi ball i mean chi is a catchphrase in the eastern uh, philosophies 
to mean kinetic energy, to mean spiritual energy, to mean uh, emotional energy. It's very basic. It's very normal. They also have an idea that uh, you can manipulate your electromagnetic field. Everybody has an electromagnetic field. Uh, it can be measured. Science knows this. This is not a big thing. And you can uh, use these Buddhist techniques that, that usually uh, go against your limbic system. You can use these Buddhist techniques to like change your magnetic field and increase uh, the amount of photons your body is producing and uh, change your metabolism around. And also, uh, which is normal, the body produces photons. This is, this is scientifically known. It's, it's not, that's not controversial at all. What's controversial is that some people in, in these more meditative Buddhist traditions have, through their different ways of meditating and trying to control other parts of their brain and metabolism, can do some weird things, like they can increase their magnetic field and stop watches, for example, stop a clock. Uh, and they say they can do other things with it. Now, it doesn't mean they can shoot fireballs. I'm not suggesting that any weird magic like that can happen. Maybe it can. I'm waiting for someone to show me, just outside in a safe place, please, <laughs> not in my house. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, but that's where all that comes from. So when I say the chi ball, for our purposes here, all that means it's your where you're feeling your emotions. Remember I said for the spin the cloud method, you're going to feel your emotions somewhere. And I feel it right here, kind of where this planet is, you see on my t-shirt. That's another, re that's the other reason why I wore this today. So I'd have a visual aid. That's where I feel my emotions right here. And the chi ball is now you're going to take your hands and you're going to grab the emotional ball. You're going to feel yourself tugging at that emotional ball. And when you tug at it, you're going to feel it moving this way and that way. You're going to feel the effect of the hands on it. You're going to imagine that. You're going to fake it until you make it. You're going to, f you're going to f imagine it. You're going to feel slash imagine it. And this is stirring up the chi ball. This is stirring up the emotions. This is doing essentially a spin the cloud method by using hands as well. And so I'm taking all I'm doing. It sounds funny, but think of it neuroscientifically. What I'm doing here is instead of just using my imagination to spin and break the clouds, I've now added in uh, you know, my spatial perception parts of the brain that connect to my nervous system and my hands. And that's the other part of the brain I'm now using to bring to bear against the limbic system to give it other input. Uh, uh, it's remarkable in that it's, it's novel, that not a lot of people know about it or to do it. It's not remarkable in that I'm casting magic or anything like that. It, it's very simple neuroscientific stuff, right? But it works. It can work if you try it. So and it works better for some people than others. Some people really get this method, and this method really helps them. You know, tearing the clouds and and especially for people like me who've been doing martial arts for thirty years. Dancers are probably the same way. They have a very overdeveloped part of their brain for visual spatial movements and whatnot, and like imagining all the different movements we would do in a fight or in dancing and that kind of thing. Uh, other people might connect it to words. If they use words a lot, they're writers or they read a lot. Other people connect it to music if they're musicians. Uh, and music can affect the brain and things like that. So we can use these other parts of the brain that, does, that, uh, that perceives all these other kinds of, of uh, realities, the reality of movement, of kinetic movement uh, in four dimensions, the reality of music in, in uh two, three, four dimensions, however many dimensions music would have. You know, the reality of, of words, of concepts. Perceiving these different 
And what Plato would say is realities. Those are realities. They aren't, they're not physical stuff, but just because the physical realm abounds, just because the physical stuff abounds does not mean it exhausts what is potentially real. Uh, so you can think about that. Whether you believe that or not doesn't matter for the purposes of the meditative drill. And again, I don't need to convince you of any of this stuff. I just need to tell you, hey, try it. This hack works. And for the people interested, I'm giving some of the underpinning of, of a lot of the Eastern and Western philosophy put together. Because maybe you could use some of that to build something better. And I would be titillated. I would be tickled pink if someone took all this stuff and built something better. So the chi ball, you can manipulate it with your hands. Now, I've found a very interesting technique, a little secret in manipulating the chi ball with your hands. And it's, it's just like spin the clouds, except you're manipulating it with your hands. And it's best to do it when you don't have a, uh, a very excited teacher talking to you about it because I'm, you know, I get so excited about this stuff, my anxiety disorder goes crazy. I'm like, yes, yes, this is great, this is fantastic. Obviously, you need to do this later on when it's quiet and 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 you feel secure and safe, and there's no there's no guy beacon off at you. And at those times, try this other method as well. So uh, we have uh, imagine opening a jar. So you remember you ever feel like you're trying to open a jar? It doesn't open, doesn't open, it doesn't open, and suddenly it opens and releases. That is a very powerful, pre-built-in, conditioned response of, of resistance, and suddenly then you get what you want. And what you want in this case is calm. You want equilibrium. And so after you do the dalur, you're doing the big wheel. And it can be small, actually, if you want. It doesn't have to be da. Uh, it could be small. It could be zao, zao lure. That's the correct Mandarin. I apologize to the entire Chinese people if I said that wrong. Uh, uh, you then, the chi ball is here. You then wave the helicopter, and you're, you, yeah, I have a whole another section to add to this for like the, the fighting component, but it, it actually works well to pump you up if you need to get pumped up to do something. So I'll get to that in a second. It's also very exciting. Uh, it's such good hacks. Um, uh, you get to the chi ball here, and then you, you have some resistance. You imagine opening the jar, and the jar corkscrews. I imagine it corkscrewing through the feeling I want to uh, want to interrupt, and it opens and elates everything. Uh, it works really well for me. Other people have kind of looked at me like, "Well, really?" <laughs> and it's so I don't know. It was too hokey for them. They couldn't do it. Uh, that's, that's unfortunate because the more you feel uh, self-conscious or something's hokey in this, the less hacks you have available to you to try and hack your brain. At the end of the day, I ask you, what's more important? Not feeling anxious and depressed all the time? Or, or because I just lack the, the neuroscientific language to tell you to use your neuron 8.4 to manipulate neuron 7b? We lack that, di that dialect at the moment. I have to use poetic metaphors to explain it to you. It does not mean it is any less powerful. So do not let your self-consciousness rob you of what are very powerful brain hacks 
uh, that that I hope you'll see will work for you uh, pretty quickly when you start using all the hacks I've shown you. And you can see I yawn every almost every time I do it. I just I yawn when I think about it. I yawn when I think about doing it. That's how powerful it is, and that's how much I've practiced, and that's the virtue of practicing it and blending all these things together. It really brings me down and like centers me right here, metaphorically speaking, emotionally speaking. I, I'm not too low, I'm not too high, I'm pumped, I'm ready to go. And that's the perfect segue into the final lesson for today. And I call it um, Leaf on the Wind. Now, this is used uh, traditionally in Zen Buddhism, and I've used it more in martial arts. It does improve my physical acuity. Uh, when I do this method, it's like my opponent is moving half as fast as I am. I get three touches or hits to every one hit they get. And it, um, it, you don't have to use it if you're like, well, I don't do martial arts draws, so I don't care. But it does help you ramp up. It does help you pump yourself up and focus yourself and I've used it in more in, in thinking scenarios, in creative scenarios, like in, in puzzle scenarios, in visual spatial 3D scenarios. It does, and it also focuses you in incredibly emotional scenarios, like the passing of my mother I mentioned. These, these methods are related. And so even if you're not a martial artist and you don't intend to be like Spider-Man and be able to hit them three times before they, they even know what they're doing, even if that's not going to be useful to you, uh, still, the emotional focus you get from this is very important. And so what's the background to, to Leaf on the Wind? So Leaf on the Wind is, is very counterintuitive. Quite often when we're suffering from some form of emotional malady, we're going to try and bottle it up. We're going to try and stop feeling it. We're going to try to ignore it. We're going to try to debate with it. We're going to try to doubt it. We're going to try to deny it. And we're always trying to stop it or, you know, because it's not comfortable. So it, it makes some logical sense. Well, this is not comfortable. I want to stop this. I don't want to experience this anymore. But Leaf on the Wind is the total opposite philosophy. Leaf on the Wind says, fine. Uh, you know, uh, uh, to, quote a movie, to quote a sci-fi movie, you know, I'm a Leaf on the Wind. Watch how I soar. It is to, I don't know if it was written by Joss Whedon. I don't know if Joss Whedon knows of this method from Buddhism, but... This is where uh, you feel everything. You don't deny anything. You feel everything. You let yourself feel all of it. And in becoming in coming in alignment with your emotions and letting yourself feel your emotions and letting yourself uh, feel like you're moving with your emotions in your in your heart. See, I have no way of talking about this, but metaphorically, you feel like you're moving with your emotions and you let it power you. You let it. You, you're a leaf on the wind. You're a plastic bag blowing on the wind, or you're a plastic. Uh, you're a two, you're a four liter uh, or gallon of plastic milk bottle that's empty that's floating on the waves. You're not in the emotions. You're not feeling the emotions. You feel yourself separate from them, and they're pushing you forward. So you're not feeling the effects. You're not thinking of the consequences. Never think of the never never in a fearful situation when you need to act and the, and the 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 need for the need for contemplation is over and the need for direct action is imminent. 
never can't consider at that moment the consequences. It's too late. When you need to act, you need to act. But again, as I said, this is more like, it's a foregone conclusion that I'm about to get into a fight. I've tried to talk my way out of it. Uh, you know, now is not the time for self-doubt and, and incrimination. Now is the time to smash whoever I need to smash because I'm in physical danger, right? So, but it also works in like, let's say, uh, you know, I'm gonna be, you're about to give your presentation at work. Now's not the time to start doubting yourself. You should, you know, you, you know, there was plenty of other times that you could have doubted yourself. Now is not the time. Now you're going to doubt lure. You're going to get that chi ball. You're breathing through the nose. Out through the mouth. And you're going to be pumped and you're going to be ready to go. It's a technique of not feeling nothing. It's a technique of feeling everything, of letting, letting yourself go with the feeling. You're pumped for it. It works along the same method of, of telling yourself, I'm pumped to do this, this, uh, this, this presentation. I'm pumped for this presentation. Let's go. Let's do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Let's go. Let's do it. Faking it till you make it, that you're excited about it, that it's not, it doesn't feel negative emotion, uh, anxiety. It just feels like some nervous excitement. In some cases, nervous excitement is the best you can do. Um, and you would be trying to focus yourself and almost like imagine yourself being the eye of the storm that's going around you. And uh, there's, like I said, there's a different, uh, there's different semantics, there's different techniques and, and methods you would use interlaid in this particular subsection of methods. And one is going to work. One's not going to work for you one day, and, and another one's going to work for you another day. Um, what typically always works is almost always spin the clouds if you've if you've worked it well enough and you can trigger it to 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 function. Um, but I've found there's been plenty of days where you know I can't bring myself down, so I've got to pump myself up. Uh, in fact, I feel that way right now. Today, I'm very excited for whatever reason. Uh, you know, your hormones affect it. You know, the physiological things that affect it that, you know, you might be out of your control. Maybe I didn't sleep very well last night or what, what, whatever it is. Uh, one last thing that I might do for those of you who have uh, a, a, a punching bag, either at a gym you train at or maybe you have a punching bag at home or a body opponent bag. Uh, you might also want to do this with a pillow on your bed if you want. Uh, I'm trying to give you every hack and every secret I know. Uh, and this is trying to take that chi ball that is just so icy, cold, anxious, and you want to... <sighs> See, once I think about it, I can start melting it, so to speak. But if you can't start melting it and uh, bringing it down, I find a lateral elbow strike, because it's connected to what I'm feeling here, on the opponent bag as hard as possible. Uh, and doing that strike again and again uh, will, will will can trigger, okay, safe now, done now, enemy dead now, fight over now. And you can finally get your limbic system to realize, oh, okay, fight's over. We're, we're fine. We're safe. The, the fight oh, is over. The, there is no actual fight. I'm just talking about anxiety that's generalized, and that's it's clinical, and that's the problem, right? Um uh, you know, the, the stress is over now, the stressful situation is over now, the event is over now, oh, okay, we can relax, we can calm down. 
All right, that's wonderful. So there's a whole bunch of more techniques you can practice, you can try. The more techniques you know, the more brain hacks you know, the more you're going to be able to wrestle with your particular emotional predicament. Uh, and for those of us, this, this, not only, I just want to make sure this is clear. This is going to help people who are have emotional maladies uh, in any which way. That includes people who are diagnosed in clinical, such as myself. But it's not just limited to people such as ourselves. This is going to help everybody. These brain hacks help everybody out there. It helps you with all of your emotions. You just need to find the right combination of techniques that you need to use in your particular brain configuration you're in right now. And when you practice them enough, you're going to unlock the emotional problem. Or you're going to unlock kind of the block you have and you're going to reach your full potential. Uh, so we're going, to, we're going to go through healing. And we're going to go through healing into improving. We're going to go through healing into improving and powering our souls and our minds and our brains until we become better. And reach our full potential, our optimality. And so thank you very much for paying attention. Uh, as I mentioned last week, app.meditationassistant.com is up. If you want to go and you don't want to listen to some guy yammer on about the history of meditation and where I got this from and then some techniques, you can just go do this organic meditation assistant that I made at app.meditationassistant.com. It is currently free at the time of this recording, and even if I charge for it in the future, it'll be very cheap, like 44 cents a day or something like that. 44 cents every day you don't meditate. It'll be free every day you meditate if you do so in a continuous 24-hour period. And it's free right now, period. I haven't hooked up the payment system yet. Who knows? Maybe I won't even bother. Maybe I'll just leave it free. Uh, because I seriously want to make the world meditate. I want everyone to become more enlightened. The world needs to meditate. The world needs to become more enlightened. And I'm hoping you do too. So until then, we'll see you next week. And have a good meditation. Today.